It's the footage that generated unparalleled controversy. A mere 954 frames of grainy footage taken deep in the wilderness of Northern California. This continues to make heads explode, even now, over 56 years later. To some, it's obviously just some cockwomble in an ape costume, possibly made from the hairs of their own pubic mound. And they can tell this by looking at some of the pixels. But to others, the subject in the video is absolutely a real-life, living, breathing, shitting Sasquatch. Because they can tell this by some other fucking pixels. For nearly 60 years, this footage has been the subject of intense debate and scrutiny. If it's a hoax, it's caused thousands of middle-aged men to slam their balls and Johnsons into tree knots, slamming it over and over again, possibly shouting into the night, Where are you, hairy Jesus? Of course, I am paraphrasing. It's a very good way of getting splinters in your helmet. But if authentic, it's arguably one of, if not the most important pieces of footage mankind has ever recorded. Was the Patterson-Gimlin footage authentic or a clever hoax? Only you can decide. With the guidance of the Super Mystery Bros podcast. Welcome back to episode number 24 of Super Mystery Bros, the show that's been called the Thinking Man's Podcast. My name is Nate, and with me again is what some would consider to be my instrumental co-host, Ivan. And we welcome you back to another thrilling edition of Intrigue and Mystique. Also, if you're wondering who it was that recorded our intro for this week's episode, that was The Washbrook Show, who is a big supporter of our show. So... Do us and him, by extension, a favor and go follow him on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, at The Washbrook Show. Kind of, I think he did a great job on the intro, don't you? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it sounded like he had some experience with uh, helmet splinters, though. (laughs) Ivan, what can our listeners do to support us in our blurry descent into the unknown? There are many ways, multiple ways to support our podcasts. First of all, what are they, man? Follow us on Instagram at Super Mystery Bros. Just Super Mystery Bros. Instagram. It, it used to be at Super Mystery Bros podcast until they decided to just Super Mystery delete Bros. our account. Okay, okay. But now it's just at Super Mystery Bros. Leave us rating on Spotify. Preferably five stars or, you know, one star if you hate us. But if you hate us, I don't know why you're listening to us in the first place. So some people are like that, I guess. Yeah, they they love to hate. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, your reviews and ratings are instrumental for our podcast. You know, Very instrumental. Very instrumental. (laughs) Indeed, man. (laughs) So yeah, you can also send us an email on supermysterybrospodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, tell your friends, your dog, 
If you have tell any- just one person who you think would like our show, and that's all we ask of you. Yeah. Ivan, what are we here to talk about tonight, man? We're going to talk about the Bigfoot footage by Patterson Gimlin, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about the Patterson Gimlin film footage tonight. Um, we're not going to talk about Bigfoot as a, in, a, in general. We're only going to talk about the, the Patterson Gimlin film. So we're not here to talk about whether we believe Bigfoot is real or not. That's a subject for another day. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about only the Patterson Gimlin film footage, okay? Just so we're clear tonight, man. Okay, okay. I don't want to hear any shit from you, okay? About Bigfoot. I mean, I'll try my best, man. You know, <laughs> you know how it usually goes. You know. All right, man. Well, let's let's <laughs> let's get this started, shall we? Yep, let's get it started. Bluff Creek, California, a tributary of the Klamath River, located in Del Norte County, and aptly known as the squatchiest place on earth. In no uncertain terms, due to one of the most mysterious and potentially sinister pieces of film footage ever recorded. Located deep within Redwood territory, trees are not the only things they make bigger around there. Allegedly. Bigfoot. Sasquatch. Satchmo. 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 Yeah. No matter what you call him, he, or in this case, she... Because it got the heavies, man. What do you mean by that, man? You know, those heavy things. Can you, you know? describe them? Mm, you mean that... I, I mean... I think we should move on, man. Okay. I think, <laughs> I think, I think that's... Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, has been called the bluriest animal in all of North America. Long before the white man ever landed on the continent of North America, natives from all over the continent told tales of so-called wild men, which inhabited the forests and mountains of certain regions of the Pacific Northwest, or how they call it on Instagram, PNW, man. PNW. Yes. Tales of this elusive creature even predate the times of Western colonization. Stories of these creatures even made their way to Teddy Roosevelt, then just a young, strapping adventurer in the late 1800s who wrote about an account of a fur trapper who had been allegedly killed by one of these creatures. However... The modern Bigfoot mania as we know it today started back in 1958 when the construction site worker Jerry Crew found giant human-like footprints at his worksite near Bluff Creek, California. Over the course of several weeks, the crew at the site would dub the mysterious unseen visitor quote, Bigfoot, end quote. And the name stuck, becoming synonymous with campfire stories, beef jerky, and even monster trucks. After Ray Wallace, who was Jerry Crew's boss at the time, died in 2002, his family came clean and came out publicly, revealing that his original footprint casts were a mere hoax, his son going on record stating that his father was a prankster, but never malicious. He just liked to play jokes. So just a note real quick, this is sort of a 
point of contention in the Bigfoot world. Um, the BFRO, which is the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, for one, violently disagrees with this assertion, stating that the wooden foot stompers that were found in Ray Wallace's possession after his death don't match the footprint casts that were found at the site. But in any case, this is a mystery that we're not going to touch with a 10-foot pole here today, especially on this episode. However, what allegedly started out as nothing but a practical joke played by a blue collary kind of guy would soon spiral out of control, culminating in the birth of a film legend so extraordinary that it would inspire grown men from all over North America and even beyond to devote what's left of their finite lives toward going out into the wilderness to search for this elusive creature. Our story begins in the tumultuous year of 1967, a year when the Vietnam War was heating up and millions of young people began speaking out against the war, smoking dope. What is dope, man? It's just like, uh, don't worry about it, just keep going. Okay. And refusing to get haircuts. Meanwhile, two 30-somethings who made their livings, living as ranchers and rodeo riders would head out into the uncharted forests of Northern California in search of the elusive creature known as Bigfoot and emerge with what some would describe as the Willy Wonka golden ticket of film footage. A nearly 24-foot-long, 954-frame, 59-and-a-half-second-long strip of film that would become so infamous that it would make heads explode and supply enough oxygen for the legend of the Bigfoot to keep it alive for now going on six decades. Much like the famous Zapruder film of Kennedy assassination fame, skeptics, scientists, armchair detectives and neckbeards alike have been picking apart the footage of the Pete Patterson Gimlin film, looking for the new clues to either prove its authenticity or debunk it outright as a man in a monkey suit. And all these years, no matter which side of the aisle you fall on, one thing is almost certain. The deeper you dive down the rabbit hole, the more you learn, but less you know, you know? Tonight... Dear listener, we will not be discussing the mystery of Bigfoot in general, or whether Bigfoot is a real creature or not, but rather our focus tonight will be only on the 59 and a half second film footage shot by Cowboys Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin on October 20th, 1967 in Bluff Creek, California. Was this film just a man in a monkey suit? Or could it be that this footage is of an unknown bipedal creature that science has yet to catch up with, even today? Wow, man, I'm scared. Roger Patterson was born on Valentine's Day of 1933 in Walls, South Dakota, but moved with his family to Yakima, Washington, and subsequently became a rancher and a rodeo rider. He developed a keen interest in the subject of Bigfoot after reading an article that was written by Ivan T. Sanderson in True Magazine in the late 1950s. 
So just a note, Ivan T. Sanderson was a writer who wrote about many subjects, which included cryptozoology, plays really no further part in the story. Roger, is it, is it like a popular name in the US? What is? Ivan. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Roger even self-published his own book on the subject in 1966 titled Do Abominable Snowmen of America Really Exist? In which he wrote about the accounts of numerous eyewitnesses to the creature, his own experiences searching for evidence, and argued that they really do, in fact, exist. However, allegations have been made about Roger by many folks, in polite terms, that he was a man who was unable to commit toward a career and found himself unable to hold down a job for any extended period of time. And according to other allegations, he was a man of morally questionable nature. What is also a matter of record is that he kept the rented camera he used to shoot the infamous footage for longer than agreed upon and was even arrested on this charge, but the charge was later dismissed when he returned it in good condition. By the early 1960s, Roger was out searching for the legendary beast himself with mixed success. In 1963, he made plaster casts of two alleged Bigfoot footprints that he found in Laird Meadows. Laird Meadow, California? Laird Meadow, California. One of a left foot and one of a right foot, which measured 17 inches in length, 7.5 inches in width, width, width uh, at the ball of the foot, and 5 inches in width at the heels. Yeah. All right. So we've got these two plaster cast pictures in front of us right now. Is there anything that jumps out at you as being unusual about these footprints? I mean, size of them aside, anything about the shape that jumps out at you? I mean, to me, to me, they look just a little bit wider than normal, like a normal foot and flatter. Mm -hmm. But other than that, they don't look too unusual. Just in my untrained eye. A little bit wider than a normal human foot, but and a little bit flatter maybe, but other than that, it doesn't look too unusual to me. Anything else you might notice about it? Kind of reminds me of the ice cream I used to buy. Foot <laughs> <laughs> ice cream? It wasn't foot ice cream, it was just like regular like vanilla ice cream. Like the, you can buy like one kilo pieces of, you know, like big pieces of it, you know? Why does that remind you of ice cream? I guess the color and the texture. You know, when you put this ice cream in the freezer for too long, and if if it got like defrosted or something, and then it kind of changes the shape inside of the package, then you put it back in the freezer, and sometimes there is like a layer of ice, and sometimes the shape is kind of weird too. Oh, I, so, see, what you, I, you I know, see what you mean. Kind of reminds well, me of it. Th thanks for including that. Maybe it's like some sort of issue i'm really glad you, know? you added that to our episode, <laughs> maybe it's like some some kind of you know kind of pitch or something kind of thing going on here <laughs> i don't know what i what you want me to say to that but let's move on man okay all right so by 1967 as the story goes patterson would try his luck at making a documentary film about the creature over the course of months, he showed his friend and fellow rodeo rider, Bob Gimlin, all of the evidence that he collected, ranging from tape recordings of eyewitnesses he interviewed to the plaster casts he had taken a few years prior. 
and eventually convinced Bob to tag along with him up into the forest near Bluff Creek, California, in search of the creature, or at least evidence of it. Roger rented a Cine Kodak K100 16mm film camera. They packed up their supplies and set out in early October 1967 on horseback deep into the as-of-yet barely explored forested territory of Northern California surrounding the Bluff Creek area. The two spent the next three weeks or so riding out into the beautiful, unspoiled wilderness of Northern California. Roger spent much of the time shooting footage of the beautiful fall scenery, as at that time, all the leaves of the forest were beginning to turn a stunning array of oranges and yellows. That actually sounds like a cool vacation to me, man. Yeah, Bigfoot aside, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, shooting footage of the beautiful fall scenery, freaking nice. That area of the of the country is fucking gorgeous, dude. Good for them. Yeah. Okay. According to their story, on October 20th, a warm and sunshiny day, the two were riding their horses approximately three, three or four miles away from their campsite, planning to head about another 35-40 miles into more remote location. Roger was riding in front, and Bob was behind him, leading a pack horse. Somewhere between 1 and 2 p.m. as they were coming around a giant downfalling tree near a creek bed. The two were shocked and horrified by what they saw. Just 30 to 40 feet in front of them, as Bob Gimlin estimated, stood a creature that isn't supposed to exist. And it's okay. Uh, uh, Roger's horse reared in panic, sending him tumbling down softly. How? I wonder. Okay. Tumbling down softly. Okay, so let me explain. So the way that this was described in the account was that Roger's horse reared, but he held on enough to where he sort of just rolled off the back of the horse onto the ground uh, instead okay. of just like falling flat on his ass. Okay, okay. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. However, he maintained his composure, scrambled up off the ground, and reached into his saddlebag, grabbed the film camera, and immediately began shooting the now infamous footage. According to an interview on Survivor Man Bigfoot by Les Stroud, Bob Gimlin stated that his first thought upon seeing the creature was, quote, yeah, these things really do exist, end quote. Roger immediately scrambled to get a better position to film the creature, ultimately stabilizing his elbows on a nearby log as it began to lumber away from them in a left-to-right direction. Roger yelled for Bob to cover him, meaning to grab the rifle and be ready to shoot if necessary. As Roger filmed the creature, Bob rode his horse across the creek toward the creature for a closer look, dismounted his horse, and held his rifle at the ready. As Roger was busy shooting the footage, Bob stood in place and watched it with his own two eyes. Eventually, the creature lumbered off into the woods in the background and disappeared. The two were able to track it for a short distance, but the tracks led straight up a stony rocky embankment, and the two agreed that it would be too dangerous to follow any further. According to Bob, the event happened incredibly fast. Neither of them were fully prepared to see the creature there as they had just begun the next leg of their journey from their campsite toward an area they suspected they'd had better luck 
finding evidence in. And only a few miles into said journey is when they got the surprise of their lives. Roger decided to ride back to base camp to retrieve footprint casting material, while Bob remained on the site near to the footprints while he waited for Roger to come back. The two ended up making two plaster casts, one each of the best footprints they could find for the left and the right foot. They then headed back to their trailer, loaded their horses back inside and drove back to Willow Creek and mailed the film off to Yakima, Washington to get it developed. That, in a nutshell, is their official account of the, event, of the events as they happened that day. After the film was finally developed, Bob Gimlin stated that he was disappointed by it, deeming it of poor quality and did not expect it to be taken seriously by anyone. Roger Patterson eventually ended up being able to capitalize on the film, making money off of selling the distribution rights for it and heavily promoting it whenever he could. Sadly, though, he would pass away from cancer in 1972 at the age of just 38, leaving the rights to the footage to his wife Patricia. Bob Gimlin, on the other hand, faded off into obscurity for decades. In recent interviews, he stated that he became an outcast in the area in which he lived after the film became public and wished that he had never been a part of the incident at all due to the damage it caused to his reputation. However... Over the last two decades, Bob Gimlin has changed his perspective on the matter and has been more forthcoming and open about the whole thing. To this day, he has never wavered in his assertion that he saw a real-life Bigfoot on October 20th, 1967 and vehemently denies any allegations against him or Roger Patterson, that they conspired to hoax this footage. At the time of recording of this episode, Bob Gimlin is still alive and is 92 years old and is still active in the Bigfoot community, if you can call it that. All right, man, so why don't we just watch the film together? Why don't you come over to my side of the table, turn Mm -hmm. off your microphone, and then I'll... I'll turn mine up so everyone can hear us as we watch this shit. 46 seconds. Hang on, let me let me make this bigger real quick. You might have to watch this a couple times to get a good impression of it. Have you seen this before? Yeah. Because I mean, you, before this, before we were going to do this episode, have you seen this uh, before? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Maybe not not in uh, the same quality, you know, because this one... It's it, a little better, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're watching an HD version of it that's stabilized right now. But it's not the entire thing, right? It's not the entire thing. It's just the best part of the footage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there anything you notice about this? about this footage that maybe stands out to you? If there's not, we can move on, but... I mean... It seems like me and him, we have a similar walk walk part patterning. (laughs) But people have been saying it for a long time, I walk kind of, you know, weird. Like Bigfoot? Not like a Bigfoot, but, you know, I have something 
I, I walk differently. That's what they say. So that then 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 I look at him. Uh, looks kind of familiar, you know. <laughs> All right, man. You can go back to your desk. I don't even know if we're gonna include that, but let's just roll with it for now. Yeah. All right. Where Do you have any, any anything more to say about the footage at this point? I've seen it so many times. I mean, I can't even remember the first time I saw it. Or it's just one of those those infamous pieces of footage that everyone has seen, at least in passing. It seems to me like I don't remember the first time I. When was the first time I saw it? But I think I it, it definitely I was I was like a little kid or something. Well, let's let's at least describe what 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 the creature is doing. The the so called creature, it's walking from left to right on the screen. And it's striding kind of away from the camera. And then as it turns, it's swinging its arms and its legs to the side as it turns towards the camera to look. And then off it keeps walking. Oh, uh, it yeah, the, the, the hands pattern, the, the the movement of his arms, right, reminded, reminds me a little bit of the, you know, like the freaking uh, cross-country skiing? Uh-huh. If he had those, like, they call them sticks or... I think that I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you if you don't go too fast, but just the like poles the poles, you just casual, casually, you know, casually skiing and shit a little mm -hmm. bit. Seems like looks a little bit like that, you know. Maybe. So um, allow us to jump forward in time for just a moment here to the year two thousand four, when a book was published by author Greg Long, which claimed to expose the entire story as a giant hoax, which was called "The Making of Bigfoot: The Inside Story." In the book, Greg Long interviewed dozens of people who knew Roger Patterson in Yakima, Washington, and learned that he had a long history of being a person of morally questionable nature. He also told the story of Bob Hieronymus, a man who by this time was just a retired Pepsi bottler from Yakima, who had come out and, ad and admitted to being the man in the Bigfoot suit. According to Hieronymus, Roger Patterson made a gentleman's agreement to pay him $1,000 to don the suit and walk the infamous walk for the footage. However, Patterson never paid him a cent for his participation. Quote, I was never paid a dime for that. No, sir. Sure, I want to make some money. I feel that after 36 years, I should get some of it. End quote. And he later added, quote, It's time people knew it was a hoax. It's time to let this thing go. I've been burdened with this for 36 years, seeing the film clip on TV numerous times. Somebody's making lots of money off this, except for me. But that's not the issue. The issue is that it's time to finally let people know the truth, end quote, he told the Washington Post. Greg Long, who was the author of this book, also was able to trace down the alleged maker of the suit, who was a guy who specialized in gorilla costumes out in North Carolina by the name of Philip Morris who corroborated Bob Hieronymus and Greg Long's claims. However, Bob Gimlin disputes these claims, and so both sides sort of point the finger at each other for being the real liars. Shortly after Greg Long and Bob Hieronymus came out with these allegations, Tom Malone, a lawyer based in Minneapolis, spoke on behalf of Bob Gimlin and told the Washington Post, quote, I'm authorized to tell you that nobody wore a gorilla suit or a monkey suit and that Mr. Gimlin's position is that it's absolutely false and untrue, end quote. Further down this article from the Washington Post was a quote from Bigfoot researcher John Green, 
who is Canadian, and he said, quote, it's all expletive. There are going to be libel actions flying, end quote. So I assume he said shit. End of article. All right, man. So I want to just break this down for a minute. So years later, 2004 comes around. It's 36 years after the film was footage. This Bob Hieronymus guy seemingly comes out of nowhere and claims that he was the guy who was in the suit. And um, basically, it, it came to light after this author, Greg Long, was writing a book about the whole the whole incident. And he interviewed a bunch of people who made a lot of allegations against both Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson. And basically, Greg Long has gone on record as saying that he thinks that Bob Gimlin is a con man. But it's kind of important to note here, though, that the people who are making these claims don't have anything else to back it up. Um, there's there's no there's no receipt for the monkey suit that he made. There's no monkey suit that they can point to and say this was the suit. And Bob Hieronymus has no other proof that it was him in the suit. It's just who do you believe? Do you be, believe Bob Gimlin? Do you believe these three people, or do you believe none of them? It's all uh, at this point. Words. No, not no. It's just at uh, this point, it's all just whose word, and they're mm-hmm. all pointing the finger at each other, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. saying that no, you're lying. No, you're lying. You're lying. Maybe they're all lying. Who knows? But it's just um, there's no proof or evidence that you know yeah. what House Doctor House always says, man. I never watched that show. Everybody lies. That's true. Everyone is kind of a liar, huh? It just depends on the situation. But to be called a con man, that's I think that's a little different. It's like making your your living by lying, you know, through dishonest means. Yeah, anyway, not to beat a dead horse here or anything, but Greg Long, you know, he stated that he considers Bob Gimlin to be a con artist. But as I said, none of these claim none of any of these claims can be substantiated. So, yeah, it's all just people's word against other people's word. Mhm. All right, so below we're looking at a recreation that was a, it was like a, it was the recreation of the quote unquote original suit that was made by Philip Morris and worn by Bob Hieronymus. Do you think that this suit matches what what's seen in the film? I actually. Not really. Yeah, I think it's, I think it does vaguely, but in a very shitty way. You can totally tell that this guy is wearing pants, whereas on the other one, it's much harder. If if that is a, a guy in a suit, the pants are much, much better done because like these, these totally, you can just totally tell that they're like pants that are just hanging loose off of the guy's body. Yeah, this, this suit looks like shit compared to the original. Do you think the color is different or maybe? Yeah, the color, the color does look different. Um, it's. The original footage is dark, dark yeah. brown to yeah, yeah, black. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one's like a light brown. Yeah, it's like a freaking, you know, when the, how do you call it? When the dogs, they lose their freaking... Mange. Mange, right? You think it's, it looks they, like they, a mangy dog? They they change colors kind of thing, yeah. There is one thing that I noticed, though, that does look similar is the... Like the contrast. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's like lighter areas and then darker areas on the suit. It doesn't look all uni- uniform like a 
like a traditional fake suit might look. It looks like shinier in other areas, kind of like the original. But other than that, the the similarities kind of end there for me. And I'm not sure. And I think the face looks different too, kind of. Yeah, the. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's hard to say because the original video was taken from. It's just from a little, distance, a little right? too, too grainy. Yeah, yeah. yeah to yeah, to yeah, no- yeah. notice any facial details. Uh-huh. All, right. All right, man. Why don't we go over some of the actual evidence from the event? If you only know the subject of Bigfoot and passing, chances are you have already dismissed the authenticity of this footage outright without, give, without giving it much thought. It's obviously just some dickhead uh, wearing a monkey suit, right? <laughs> well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. If you are familiar with the subject of Bigfoot, you, ha- you have likely heard the name. Man, come on, I need... I need couple of seconds. Dr. Jeff Meldrum, who is one of the most, if not the most, reputable person who vouches for the film's authenticity. He is a professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State University, and he is so convinced that the figure in the footage is not a man in a suit, that he even shows the video to his students, and often appears on Bigfoot-related television shows and documentaries to support it. In 2021, the Daily Mail wrote an article about an upcoming upcoming television special he was going to be on called The Proof is Out There. Alright, so the following comes from that article. Dr. Jeff Meldrum, professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State University, said during the show, quote, We are here 50 years later because advances in technology have provided opportunities to consider the film in novel ways, end quote. Meldrum, along with computer scientist Isaac Tian and Bill Munns, who was a veteran Hollywood costume and special effects designer, used artificial intelligence, computer vision, and costume expertise to see details that have gone unnoticed for five decades. Although the original film was lost, the team were able to replicate it by taking existing duplicates and making 22 different copies, each with a different variation, and then they used an AI program to integrate all the copies. Computer vision algorithms were applied to stabilize the images, producing a final version that is much clearer to make out, as if Patterson had the camera standing on a tripod while shooting from the riverbed. The proof is out there, experts. Looked at the creature's foot in the film, and with the redesigned footage, they are able to see how its foot interacts with the ground while walking. There is a flexing in the middle of the foot, which is commonly seen in apes, and not humans and an upward turning of the toes that would be impossible to see if it was just a person in a costume. Definition is also seen in the calf muscles as the creature walks, which would not be seen in man-made in a man-made furry suit either. Sorry, this is kind of poorly written. Such suits are typically made with a simple fabric that does not provide any definition of the body. They typically just hang on the person wearing it. The measurements of the potential Bigfoot work out to being at least seven feet tall, and based on its proportions, the History Channel experts say it weighs about 700 to 800 pounds. I don't know how they can come up with that, but okay. 
If the furry creature was nothing more than a man in a suit, Patterson and Gimlin would have needed to find a human that size to fill in the costume, the team said in agreeance. Focusing on the head and neck, the eyes of the creature look directly at the camera as it strolls by. When it comes to costumes, any movement of the head, the fake fur will be skewed on the on one side or texture will change. Oh my god, this this is just a horribly written article. When it comes to costumes, any movement of the head, the fake fur will be skewed on one side or the texture will be changed, Munn said in the episode. Even the muscles on the back of Bigfoot's neck look like those of an ape. Quote, I am struck as an anatomist by the massive size of the trapezius muscles in their intermediate attachment on the back of the skull. This is not a human configuration, end quote, Meldrum said. Meldrum compares the skull of the figure to that of the Australopithecine, which is extinct, which is an extinct early human species that lived in East Africa about three million years ago. Quote, all of the bony landmarks of Patty's, the figure in the film, correlates with proportions seen in this skull, end quote, said Meldrum. He then says one could speculate that this species did not go extinct, but expanded into Asia crossed the Bering Strait, and made its way down through North America to exist as Sasquatch. Quote, I can take a look at the film and look at what we know about anatomy and primates and and image a world. I think that should be imagine a world where the Bigfoot exists, Harris told DailyMail.com. Quote, I remain in the camp that wants more information, and I think we are going to get it. Part of the beauty of the show, I think, is that we will get the evidence, end quote. End of article. So did you have anything interesting that you wanted to go over when it comes to this article? Anything of interest that jumped out at you? Uh, I mean, I guess they could have found someone to fit in in that costume. Man. Some- How can you be certain, man? I, I've, I'm not certain, but I can think of some candidates, you know. I actually watched this this episode the other day, and uh, I gotta say it's it's kind of forgettable. It, they I, they market it as as this new groundbreaking uh, information, but they didn't really provide anything new. Um, Doctor Jeff Meldrum argued that you could see the the foot kind of um, curling up as it's trying to take a step, and you could see some. Um, they call it like a mid mid tarsal mid-tarsal break mm-hmm. so the the like half of the foot bends instead of like a human where the entire foot is rigid so it like he argues that the foot you can see it bending in the middle the middle part of the foot instead of just by the toes interesting yeah further back in 1998 the bbc attempted to recreate the subject oh in the peterson gimlin film for their show X creatures. A side-by-side comparison of the two now float around on the internet and are often referenced by proponents of the film. Let's talk about this. All right, yeah, so let's talk about this. All right, so we were looking at a side-by-side comparison. We've got the Patty. By the way, the subject in the film is called Patty after Patterson. And it's a female, allegedly a female Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. So they call it Patty. Patty. So we've got Patty on the left, and we've got the BBC recre- recreation from 1998 on the right. What are your thoughts on the on that? I mean, 
pretty shit, man. If you the, got you, you mean the the recreation? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Just comparing the two. You know, it's kind of. Um, it's kind of yeah. I'm trying to come up with something smart. You know they what they say, man. You know what they say. It just looks like a cheap imitation. Yes, they yeah, even, yeah, like a cheap version of it. You know, like a discount, discount Bigfoot. Discount but Bigfoot. it's to, it, it clearly looks like a guy in a suit. There's really no mistaking it. And they tried to hide how shitty the costume is by just a shitload of fake orange hair covering all the contours. Whereas the left, I mean, let's assume that this is a, that they're both fake. If even if they're both fake, the Patty Bigfoot suit is just like whoever made this did not even try to hide any of the imperfections with long hair. It seems. Uh-huh. Whereas you look on the right, you could totally tell that it's like a you know the Chewbacca downgraded. Yeah, that's like what a, I thought. Downgraded. You know, it's Chewbacca. like ah, oh, this this looks uh, like shit. Just cover it up with a bunch of hair. I, I'm telling you, I just had the same thought like in the same second. I was I, I just thought to talk about freaking Chewy. You know, like <laughs> those those yeah. kind of things. It, you know? it looks like a discount version of Chewbacca. And uh, you know, when you look at those, I, I think. I might be crazy, maybe it's true, but if you look at them, they kind of give you like different vibes, you know? Mm-hmm. The first one, he looks at you like with some kind of a little bit of sadness in his eyes, you know? The petty, yeah. the petty one. But yeah. the second one is like, hey, what the fuck, man? Like, get out. He looks tense. He look, the BBC recreation. Yeah, yeah, he looks tense. He looks tense. Like, he's under a lot of stress. He's like, you know, get yeah. away from me, man. I'm trying to... I got places to be right now. Yeah, he's like... like all, his shoulders are all tensed up and shit. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, Patties yeah, yeah. are, like, down Killing lower. You know? Down lower, just like, hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, I'm just the, walking this way. Yeah, the BBC one looks a little bit like a freaking knock-knocker. <laughs> How they call it? What? <laughs> The freaking fairy tale, man! Like the freaking knock knock. <laughs> what the it? fuck are you talking about? The, the freaking guy, you know, ah, the Pinocchio. Oh, Pinocchio, like a like a wooden puppet. Wooden puppet, yeah, yeah. There, there was another one, the freaking uh, oh. dancing. And he just looks like an old crusty hippie who's under a lot of stress. He does old- not. You could never mistake this one as an ape. Yeah, looks like one of those guys who lived at the freaking. Uh, how do you call the place where you the YMCA put, put, put all the <laughs> no 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 where you put all the all the freaking garbage head like freaking oh the dump like, but it, it's like a it's not just a dump it's a landfill a landfill yeah, yeah yeah he looks like one of those guys who lived at the landfill n- near my house you know not near my house shit but like you used to live in the in the landfill me yeah no no but it, it, I I've been to the landfill you used to live near the landfill not near maybe like five km. Okay, well, it's probably still smelled. You, could you smell it from your house? No, but sometimes you know there were some processes going on there, and or maybe one of those like guys who lived there, they would put it on fire and shit. Mm-hmm. And then if the wind was not in our favor and shit, we could smell the freaking uh freaking how do you call it the smoke and shit. You know, that's pretty nice, like a freaking barbecue, right? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let, let me just wrap up here. Um, 
yeah, the problem that I have with the BBC is that they just they just did a horrible fucking job. Like they didn't recreate the the costume in any way to make it match the Patterson Gimlin film. They just opted to cover the guy in the costume with a bunch of shaggy hair to cover up how shitty their costume was. And it just it does no justice whatsoever. The one on the left from 1967, let's just assume for a moment even if they both are fake, the the Patterson Gimlin film looks way more convincing. Yeah, would you agree? I agree. If you were I to agree. say if I were to tell you one of these is the real Bigfoot, which one would you say? Which one would you guess was the real Bigfoot? Uh definitely one on the left, the Pat- the Patterson film. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Along with the infamous footage of Patty were trail footprints that were both photographed and cast. According to Cliff Berkman, cast member of Animal Planet, Planet's Finding Bigfoot fame, fame? Uh, has been a Bigfoot researcher for more than 20 years and has a giant collection of footprint casts. According to him, the casts taken by Patterson and Gimlin are convincing. Quote, The training leg of the creature shows a great flexibility in the foot. There are a few frames there where we see Paddy take her heel off the ground, but yet keep the entire forefoot in touch with the ground, end quote. He also added, quote, One of the footprints showed a very distinctive pressure ridge. Pressure ridge. A push-off that comes about as a result of very flexible midfoot. End quote. You do a great job of mimicking that guy's voice, by the way. Sound similar? You sound identical. All right, so let's go over some of the more commonly discussed anomalies that are brought up in arguments. So why don't you go over the first one? Breasts. A.K.A. the boobies. Or what else? Patty is stacked. Patty is stacked. Uh-huh. Perhaps the weirdest and most mind-boggling part of Patty is that she's stacked. She's got breasts, which seem to move around and bounce freely as she strolls off and exits stage left. Many proponents for the film's authenticity point to the fact that the hoaxer would likely not take the time, effort, or have enough forethought to put realistic-looking breasts on their homemade ape costume. Bill Munns, famous Hollywood costume designer, has stated on various occasions that in 1967, the technology to make fake breasts like this did not exist. Those were different times, man. Uh, However, skeptics point out that the clever hoaxer might choose to include breasts on the costume in order to lend more credibility toward it. Yeah, sort of like a contrarian type, like a contrarian thing to do, you know, in order to fool people. Well, if this is real, if that's a fake Bigfoot, why are there breasts on it? You know, anyway, that's the idea. All right, so the form-fitting nature of the suit, if it is a suit, 
So one has to look no further than movies such as Planet of the Apes and 2001 A Space Odyssey to see what state-of-the-art ape costumery looked like around the year 1967. Even to the untrained eye, the apes in 2001 A Space Odyssey, for example, are clearly men wearing form-fitting, shag-carpet-style onesies over their bodies, and don't look totally convincing. Some of the apes from Planet of the Apes movies also don't look convincing, as they look kind of like grown men wearing pajama onesies. However, Patty, if she was a person in an ape suit, looks a lot more form-fitting and realistic, for lack of a better word. So... If you do watch some of the older Planet of the Apes movies, you'll see that, especially in the leg areas, the it's totally clear that it's like some actor wearing pants because they don't fit perfectly to their legs and they kind of just hang like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there's still some bagginess there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I also like to point out real quick before you move on that you can also see the hand curling as she's walking. and. Many people say that her arms are out of range of a human's proportions for, for an arm length compared to the rest of her body. Oh. So it is weird. Like if, if they're wearing arm extenders or if the actor in the suit is wearing arm extenders, you'd have to account for how they're also moving their hands. So it just adds one more element of one more technical element to the story if it is a hoax. Mm hmm. Why don't you move on to the next one, man? Odd body proportions. Proportions. Bill Manns, famed Hollywood costume designer and special effects specialist, analyzed the footage himself and concluded that there is no way that this could be a man in a suit because it was a woman. No, it's just just me. According to the... No, it wasn't me. It just was, you know, my freaking, you know... What? Yeah. Uh, according to Mans, when an actor wears a costume, there is no way to alter the position of their knees. When he overlaid a 3D model of a human onto Patty and scaled it to match the height of Patty, and then lined up the knees to be in the same position, the result was that the hips and ankles did not match up to human proportions. He noted that if it were someone in suit, their arms would need to be 10% longer than a, hu- than a normal human. Patty also has a longer torso than a normal human. The hips are located lower than a human. And if the shoulders are lined up, the human's hips becomes too high. If you match the hips... The shoulders fall short of the height of Patty. But to Mans, the most unusual aspect of this ana- of his analysis comes from the legs of Patty. He concludes that the length of the upper leg is longer than a human and the lower leg shorter than a human. These proportions are more indicative of ape than man. Quote. Um... All of this add up to something which is in, in my mind is biologically real and not a human in any type of costume, end quote. Wow, man, I am shocked. All right, so let's conclude our story here 
The Patterson-Gimlin film remains, to most in the Bigfoot world, the single most convincing piece of evidence that supports their belief that a very large, tall, bipedal creature lives in the forests of North America and continues to elude humanity's attempts to finally bring it to justice once and for all. And to many, if not most Bigfoot believers, remains the linchpin in their belief that Bigfoot really does exist. The stakes in this mystery are high on both sides, and it's winner takes all. If the footage was a fake, it likely means that countless numbers of middle-aged men with too much time on their hands are wasting what's left of their finite lives smashing baseball bats into trees and shrieking as loud as they can deep into the wilderness of North America, all while an elderly cowboy laughs at them all behind their backs. However, if authentic, would mean that the vast majority of the scientific community were absolutely dunked on by a couple of cowboys who, from a scientific perspective, disregarded all conventional wisdom and decided to do their own thing, like Eminem at the end of that movie 8 Mile. So next time you're feeling down and need some reassurance, just remember that there might be a big blurry creature out there in the wilderness who's just as lost and afraid of human interaction as you are. Alright man, are you ready to try and solve this some bitch once and for all? Yep. Alright man, so I'd love for Bigfoot to be real, but even if it isn't, I think it's still kind of a great consolation prize to to me at least, knowing that Thousands of grown men are spending their free time slamming sticks into trees and screaming at each other in the forest. And then if Bigfoot is real, I think that's fucking awesome. I would love for Bigfoot to be real, wouldn't you? Is um, like if big if if one day someone found Bigfoot, like a a dead Bigfoot or even a live one, wouldn't that be fucking awesome? Man, this question is. Uh is an interesting one but it the problem with this question there is only one problem it makes me go on a little bit of a tangent small tangent right now oh jesus okay okay it's, right. it's not a big one oh, okay go go for it then, then you said would it be nice if the bigfoot existed it makes my mind it, it makes me a little bit anxious you know if they do exist and they just hide from us and planning some shit you know behind yeah. the curtains and stuff <laughs> maybe controlling all the human population and shit pulling the strings pulling the those strings you know godfather kind yeah. of thing you know <laughs> but uh the tangent i wanted to go on i wonder if you seen the and i'm sorry to all the listeners i Apologize because this time I'm not gonna use the King of the Hill episode. Not oh shit! Time. Really? I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, what are you gonna use? Have you, have you seen the South Park episode with the man bear pig? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that one? Yeah. yeah. When the El Gore it is a creature which roams the earth alone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he 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 came to the school and talked about the freaking man bear pig. Yeah. And yeah, it was like the second or the first thing I remembered when 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 you told me we're gonna do this episode, it kind of came up to in my uh -huh. mind like freaking oh that episode. But then the thing about it that no one believed this guy, and don't quote me on that. I'm not a freaking expert. I I I, I just saw some clip like on the internet of what what happened after with the member peak in South Park, mm -hmm. and I think in the later seasons. Um, he actually like 
was real. He became real. He baby. became real, right? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen those, but I, I've seen just. It's some been shows. years since I've seen South Park. Yeah, yeah I do remember that. He, it was like through some the Imagination Land or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, but yeah. he he kind of became real, right? Yeah. In there, and then uh, there was one guy, and he was kind of like freaking, you know, uh, freaking cruel killing people. Uh. Vivald, Wasn't it the, the Care Bear, the like the teddy bear characters, or the forest, the cute little forest animals that were like murdering people? Oh, I'm I'm not sure. I I think I, I saw the man bear thing killing people. Oh, okay, all right. But again, I'll let don't you keep going, don't, don't quote me on that. And I remember there was one guy talking with his girlfriend, saying that uh, in that in that episode he was saying like the man bear peak does not exist it's all freaking uh, hoax you know it's all freaking bullshit and uh, you just you know you don't need to believe in all this shit it's 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 not real and then the freaking man bear peak slammed the freaking cafe wall man and got in and started murdering everyone one <laughs> by one man tearing them apart and shit and then the girl started screaming Like, oh, what the hell is going on? But if I remember, the guy, he still kept on saying, like, like you know, it's, it's not real. And then he, he uh, I think he realized that it was real. And then he said... By the time he, he realized it was, it was too real, late. it was too late. It was right? too late. And he, he, he also said, like, you know, but what, what are we going to do about it? And then the next second, the freaking man bear pig ate him, man, freak, or tore his head off, I don't remember. And uh, so then you asked me if I if I wish or if I wanted for the Bigfoot to be real. If yes, I just don't want him to be another member pig kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I want him to be like freaking kind, a nice kind, guy, a nice guy yeah. who will, you know... Like a Smokey the Bear kind of help, forest character. Help right? old ladies carry groceries and shit and not tear yeah. them, you know? heads off and shit yeah that's the tangent i wanted to go well thank you for adding that to the conversation man all right so um as i was saying i'd love for bigfoot to be real it's just blurry enough to be ambiguous but it's clear enough to be slightly convincing right so i think that's why this film has stood the test of time over the decades Like even if you look at modern day Bigfoot costumes, the vast majority of them look like absolute shit. Like they look like, especially if you look at the the body part of the costume, they look kind of like pajama onesies. Like if you wear, you see people all the time here wearing pajama onesies outside when it's cold. You know, yeah. Um, they look like that. You know, they they're baggy. They hang off the body in certain areas. Whereas when you look at the Patterson Gimlin film. It looks, if it's a hoax, it's really well done because if it's a costume, it, it hugs the contours of the body really well. Um, like you, it's hard to see any seams if there are any, um, because like the hair, it's kind of matted and it's combed down the seams. If that's the case, um, whoever made the costume, if it is a costume, didn't try to hide behind a bunch of shaggy hair like a lot of people do who try to make these hoax Bigfoot videos. So hoax or not, I'm it doesn't really matter to me. I'm still kind of impressed by the by the film. Uh so I've got a bunch of scattered notes here that I've written down. Um they're kind of out of order and I'm I'm kind of disorganized when it comes to taking notes, but I want to just go through all of the notes that I've got here. So 
because of like how hotly debated this film is, it kind of just goes to show that humans can watch the same event unfold right in front of their eyes and everyone comes to just wildly different, different conclusions about it. Um, you know, it, it lies kind of in this gray zone between truth and fiction in a way. Um, you know, it's, it's just blurry enough to not be able to debunk it outright. And it's barely clear enough to, to where it like generates some intrigue because you can still see like certain details about it. Right. But moving on to the, my notes here, the ass on the, on the, on the Bigfoot looks kind of weird to me, especially on a couple of frames where it looks kind of pancaked flat, even though it bulges out of the body, it's not rounded. It looks like, like it's been sitting for a while and then it's like flat. It's weird. If you look at, um, I might be able to list which frame it is that I'm talking about here. Um, if you look at frame 339 to 343, I'm a little bit sus of the, of the figure in this, in this footage. The ass just doesn't look right to me. Um, it looks padded to me. It looks like an actor in a suit at certain angles with like a pillow around his ass. It's kind of what it look, reminds me of. Um, I mean, the, the claim by Bob Hieronymus that a football helmet was used sort of looks plausible to me as well, especially if you look at one of the frames of the footage where the head is sideways and the prognathism of the mouth. If you don't know that word, it's when, in apes. The prognathism is where the mouth bulges out from the face, whereas like a human is flat apes have prognathism mm-hmm. where the mouth bulges out more. Um, so the prognathism of the mouth and, and the jaw on the creature, I think this could easily be accomplished by attaching the mask to the face guard on the football mask, in my opinion. So as for the body length proportions that every expert of this film footage seems to harp on is saying that it's impossible for this to be a human I've seen how they do these measurements and um, I want to lay a bit of criticism down, especially for a guy on YouTube who I'm, I'm not going to mention their name and how he measures out the proportions of the subject on the film. He, he draws 2d lines onto a 3d image and tries to pass it off as a valid measurement. Like he he'll measure the length of the leg while it's not pointed perfectly perpendicular to the ground and extended in such a way that it's it's angled away from the camera and then he uses this to support why the limb proportions make it impossible for this to be a human like eyeballing this footage for myself i don't see a reason why this can't be a guy in a suit wearing gloves that are slightly too long for his hands to create an illusion that he has these really long arms uh. I, I have a question. Is okay. it is it the same guy we we talked about in the? Not a guy you know. Uh, I, I didn't put it. I didn't put uh, this guy. I, in I, I know. I know. In in the in the script in the in the story. No, that's not the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, because I also like. Yeah, uh, I I have a question about that guy there because he said that the creature doesn't look like a human because of the hips and legs and whatever other proportions, right? Which I think but, I think could be could be explained. Which I'll, I'll get yeah, into. Yeah, I, I wonder if he, act, what was his like, um, 
you know, b- basis of comparison. An average human, or did he include all the? He had he had like this human, uh, like a three D model of a blank human. You know, like a naked human, blank human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. overlaid it onto the figure in the same exact, um, like a body position. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so he yeah, just yeah, overlaid yeah. it perfectly and said, "See, it doesn't match." But but, like I said, you know, it's like yeah. What, 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 yeah, what I wanted to say too is like you know people are. They differ in their, you know, body composition and stuff. Slightly, slightly, but it's not, it's not significant enough to make, according to them, it's not significant enough to be like a huge issue. Yeah. But if you like, there are, you know, weird humans out there, you know, in the world, (laughs) (laughs) not weird, weird is not the, not the right right word here. I'm sorry. But there are like different types Okay, of- but but for the sake of argument, let's say that that they're valid in their in their assumption. Okay, just for this this episode, it, it doesn't matter because I, what I want to talk about is um, yeah, sli- gloves that are slightly too big. So you know when he cuffs his fingers a bit, he's still able to fold up the fingers of the gloves together to make it appear that this subject has control of its you know long ass arms and hands. And then as for the the gait of the creature, how it walks with bent knees and these elongated steps, and it raises its calf up higher than a normal human would and steps out really far. It's kind of the same concept as if you were walking with flippers on. Like if this is a guy in a suit and he's wearing these fake feet of some sort that are that are too large. Oh yeah, so that's exactly how a person would walk as to not stub the front of those feet on the ground as they walk forward. All right, so the so-called mid-tarsal break of the foot, which is another alleged trait of the subject of the film, I really don't know. I don't really have a plausible explanation for this. Do you? I I don't, but it doesn't mean that there isn't one, you know? My best guess was someone was wearing a, a some sort of Bigfoot shoe, and because their shoe went into this really big shoe, the end of their foot was near the middle of the Bigfoot foot so that when they stepped off with their toes, that was right where the mid-tarsal break would be. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, that, but that would be like freaking high-level hoax, right? If that they, would be... If a, they actually did that. Yeah, and, and you know what? I could be completely talking out of my ass here, and I'm sure... Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, I bet, I bet there are some Bigfoot people right now that are listening to this that are really fucking mad. But you know what, man? Guys, I'm just being honest with you. Let's continue on, though. Yeah. So something else I want to point out. There's a lot of people who believe this film is authentic because you can see its thigh muscles bulging out as it lands with a heavy step on its right foot in one frame. But as I reviewed that, when I reviewed it in slow motion over and over and over, I think it's kind of this case of the human mind playing tricks on all of us. It's kind of like, do you remember that Yanny or Laurel soundbite that was circulating around the internet where some people thought the voice said Yanny and some people thought the voice said Laurel and or even the dress you know the Mm -hmm, the dress mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. like is it a black and blue dress or is it a white and gold dress Mm -hmm. and you know some people would say it was white and gold some people would say it was blue and black Uh Uh these two wildly different assumptions about the same picture so I think it's this this weird trick of the mind that's being played here so what I saw on that video as the creature is taking the step and its thigh muscle, what some people say is its thigh muscle moving, I actually interpreted that as the suit coming loose a little bit and shifting. 
You might want to come over here and I'll just show you what I'm uh -huh, talking about uh -huh. real quick. You can turn your microphone off and then I'll turn mine up so you can where you can come over here. I'm going to show you this this footage real quick in real time. This is great radio, people. All right. So we've still got the Patterson Gimlin film footage here. I think it's right about here. Let me uh let me put it in this slow motion real quick. It's right there. So watch its thigh muscle. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? Yeah. So what do you interpreted that interpret that as as it takes that step and you see that? Contract. That movement. So what I see is the suit coming loose from the actor's body a little bit as it takes that hard step with its right foot. Um, and you can also, you can clearly see some bagginess or something yeah, happen yeah, right, here. Well, in the knee. right behind, right behind the knee, uh -huh, the suit, uh -huh. what I interpret to be the suit of the actor come loose from the back of the knee and mm -hmm. it kind of jolts out a little bit. Also the calf muscle. I mean, it loses, it loses its definition. And I think that's a symptom of the, of the pants coming loose from the body, so to speak. Mm -hmm. What do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So, or, it, or another possibility that it just might be a freaking old Bigfoot man. Oh, I didn't think You know, that. like the, you know. Like an elderly Bigfoot. Elderly Bigfoot with the skin hanging a little bit and shit, you know. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that as a possibility, all right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so as as for the um the breasts, the breasts of the of the creature, what do you think about them? All right, so this is this is brought up a lot by believers in the footage. And it, it does I'll 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 admit that it does lend a little bit more credibility because of the extra work that it would take to create these Apparently, Roger Patterson, when he wrote that book, he included a drawing that he did of a Bigfoot that has breasts. Mm -hmm. So it's not unprecedented that this cowboy would imagine a Bigfoot walking around with boobs hanging out because he drew one before he saw this. He had this sighting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So the idea of Bigfoot having breasts, he already imagined that before he took the footage mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah so another point that could you know it, it's just it's not a great argument to say that how would they um, how would they have known to put boobs on this creature mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that's what i'm saying so did, did he drew both uh, male and female or you don't know i don't know but i did stumble across a drawing that was in his book uh -huh. of a female bigfoot and also to add on to that i noticed that the head shape of the thing that he drew was very similar to the creature in the in the footage oh. very similar mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. very similar shape all right oh i also want to um point something out so bill munn said that the technology to create fake breasts of like that would do this kind of movement on the Bigfoot body didn't exist in 1967. But I want to know like what he's talking about, because I think that these could be as simple as water balloons that are 
shoved inside of the suit that like maybe the suit constructor had like some like water pouches or something built inside the suit that hang down and then they just stuff some some kind of water balloon water sack into that and i think they would do the same job typically i think there's many many ways you could hoax this hoax the the breast part of the suit i don't think that Mm -hmm. you would need anything high tech um so you think that all this those guys they freaking spent three months preparing for that thing uh i'll get to that later remind me to ask me that later okay okay all right so as for bob gimlin i'm really conflicted about bob gimlin because when you when you listen or you watch every interview with him i don't know how you if you feel the same way but he comes across as entirely genuine like i he if he's either telling the truth as he knows it or he's a incredible liar like no uh-huh. no bullshit alarms are going off in my brain when he's he's telling his story he tells it like a straight shooter yeah and I'm really not sure what's what to make of Bob Gimlin. So like I kind of I kind of put his story aside for the time being, and I I just look at the footage and see what I can see. Mm-hmm. Does it convince me? I'll be honest with you, man. Um, there was a time in my life where I was like, this might be real. This this could be real. Mm-hmm. But after reviewing this footage for myself and doing my own research and watching the Bigfoot walk over and over and over for myself and I'm I'm trying to debunk it. It's just the turd in the punch bowl for me is when it takes that step with its right foot and its leg jiggles. And you can many people interpret this as muscle movement underneath the yeah, suit, look, which look, would be impossible. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which would be impossible to fake in nineteen sixty seven. Uh-huh. But to me that's not what I see after reviewing it in you know now mm-hmm. what i see is this the suit coming loose from its body mm-hmm. shifting up as it takes that step and that's what i notice yeah yeah what in, in, interesting point but like i said it might have been like an older lady you it know could. bigfoot it, you know but why doesn't i mean skin hanging and stuff i guess it does have a little bit of gray hair huh or uh, maybe shiny Maybe shiny, shiny parts. And uh, about that guy, what, what was uh, the the Gimli guy? The interview Bob Gimlin. We, we voiced right. Yeah. Then you then you said that you are. What did you just just said about him? You you think he's genuine and tell he him, seems genuine. He's either genuine speaks, or he's a really good liar. Speaks from his car, heart, kind of thing. Yeah. Right? But what I noticed that I think to somewhere in the end of the interview, he said that. I'm not here to prove that they exist. Someone, something along those lines. I'm not here to prove that they exist. I know that they exist. This argument kind of reminds me of he's like he took, if I'm not mistaken, it was a Kierkegaard who said that you in faith. Who? Uh, Kierkegaard, like the um, Danish philosopher or something. Oh, I don't know. M- maybe I, I'm not saying his name right. Uh, but anyway, he said like. He wrote about uh, Christianity, I think, or like faith in general too. And he said like, in faith, you might need to take the leap of faith, you know, you Uh might need to accept the thing without 
the certain proof. Without the certain proof, that kind of makes you the believer, right? right? Don't quote, don't quote me on Kierkegaard and stuff, but something, something, <laughs> okay. like, something like that. I right. think. So, I think that for him it might be kind of similar, but with the Bigfoot thing, because he said, "I'm not here to prove that they exist. I know." So it's kind of, in a way, I know it sounded to me like. I believe a little bit more like I believe that they do not like I know, you know, well, I think all he's saying is that he saw it for himself, you know, and that's how he knows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for, for most people seeing is believing, but I don't think that that's the issue here. Um, like I said, he comes across as genuine. I think that he really does believe he saw Bigfoot or well, actually, no, I take that back. What I think is that, He's either a great liar or he's telling the truth. There's really no room for middle ground for me. Mm-hmm. Let me take a look at my notes here. Great liar or telling the truth. So who do you think would be the liar then in the case? I don't want to like throw accusations around, you know, like I don't want to just accuse people of lying outright no, no i'm i'm I'm, say, I'm not i'm not saying who would be the liar but i mean like if if you if you look at their situation and the two cowboys right in the forest do you think it's if, possible if, if this is oh, oh okay Go do on. you think it's possible that any of them if it's a hoax right hypothetically yeah. that any of them maybe the other guy what was his name again roger patterson Ro- roger knew that it was the hoax proper, or maybe it was some you other. Set Bob Gimlin up to be hoaxed. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like Bob Gimlin was not in on the hoax. Yeah, he was yeah, just yeah, like yeah, there yeah, to yeah, witness yeah, yeah, yeah. this happen. If you take into your in account, that there is. I, I thought about that too, but there there is one problem with that. Do you uh-huh. know what it is? One. Bob Gimlin had a rifle. So he he could have. He shot had the, the rifle. Freaking, yeah, the freaking creature. Right? Yeah. That would would be a sad story, man. <laughs> He's like, oh, bam, you, dude, what the fuck, you, man? You just shot yeah, you, Bo- you, Bob Hieronymus you, or whoever was. You remember that video on YouTube that went viral? I think it was some girl shooting her boyfriend through like pile of books and something. I didn't. I, don't I think know she that. killed him. But let's let's stay let's stay on topic here for for a second. Mm-hmm. So I think. Um, you know, when you, when you zoom in too far on the footage, I think you start seeing stuff that's not really there and your mind starts playing tricks on you. So I I think it's important that you, you, you do zoom in to, to see the finer details, but don't lose sight of the whole picture here. You know, you, every once in a while, when you look at a piece of footage like this, I think it's important to take kind of like a, a 30,000 foot view of the, of the footage and analyze it as a whole too and not just look at the the fine details because when you get when you zoom in really far on a blurry video like this your mind is going to play tricks on you and and see stuff that's not there so i i think that that's what what's going on here so roger patterson at the time was dying of cancer right and um i think a solid theory for why he did this was he wanted to fake this footage in order to leave his wife something that would take care of her into you know the years after he's gone so i think that if he did hoax this that's the reason why he did this is 
And it's undeniable that his wife, I think her name is Patricia. She, um, she made a lot of money off of, of selling the rights to this footage to Mm -hmm. certain parties. So Roger Patterson and then his wife by extension did profit significantly, but with through this footage, whether, whether it was Bob Hieronymus in the suit or not, I have no idea. I mean, I can't, I don't know if I trust Bob Hieronymus in that Philip Morris guy either. It could be him. It maybe it's not them. Uh, I don't really trust them either. I kind of don't trust anyone in this situation, but like I said, it's, it's really weird and it makes the story really confusing because Bob Gimlin just comes across as such a genuine, honest, nice guy, just salt of the earth. But that's exactly what a con man would want you to think about him. So at the same time. G- going back to the previous point, so if you say that he was kind of, you know, um trying to trying to hoax this thing to for the financial financial benefit mm-hmm. because he was dying of cancer and he was kind of desperate to, you know, yeah. help his wife and family, which would make him his situation a little bit similar to that freaking uh, breaking Break, breaking bad, bad. <laughs> breaking bad situation. Yeah, I, I wanted, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he would, it, but it means that he would put two two people in danger, right? That uh, Gilling Gimlin Gimlin and the other guy in the costume, right? How so? If Gimlin uh, had shot the guy in the costume. Well, I think I think the hoax theory, like the what people like the hoax people who believe that it was a hoax believe mm-hmm. that Gimlin and Patterson were they, in on they it were together. On it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so then it's okay, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So the the theory is that Gimlin talked to Bob, offered him the one thousand dollars to um, be the guy in the suit. Mm-hmm. And then he he walked the walk deep. They all all three of them went out together into the Bluff Creek area, and I guess like Bob Hieronymus was there with them. But according to their official story, it was just the two of them: Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson. There's two Bobs in the story. I know it's a little confusing, but mm-hmm. yeah. Bob Hieronymus claims to be the guy in the suit, but it's it's alleged. It's it's just one party's word against the other. Oh, there was also another thing I wanted to mention about the footage itself. As it's turning around to give the famous look, that famous frame 352, there's something weird that happens with the back. It looks kind of like the suit is coming off of the back of the actor and it just looks it looks weird and unnatural. I want to, can you come over here one Mm -hmm. more time? Sorry. Sorry to do this to you, man, but I want to show you something and I want to get your take on it because I, I, I really do care about getting to the bottom of this mystery. No matter what the truth is, I want it to be real, but so take a look at its back as it's turning. Does that look kind of weird to you there at that point? Of course, it looks weird. Even if it is a Bigfoot, it's going to look weird. But there's something going on back here. And I can't tell what that is. Yeah, it's hard to say. 
Can you can you play it again? Yeah. No. Can you step at the exact frame? Something like here. So like you know, as she's walking from over here, you can see the the ass kind of sticks out more. But uh -huh. as she's right here, actually, that could be it that could be the arm in the background it, it, obfuscating it. All right, I'm, I'm I'll be fair and I'll say it's the arm in the back. I'll be fair to the Bigfoot people. I'll say that might just be an illusion caused by the left arm in the background. All right. <sighs> All right. I mean, um, let me see if there's any anything else in my notes that I, I forgot to, to mention. Okay, so the one one last thing real quick. A lot of analysts of this video, they often say that the arms are too long to be a human. <laughs> But I think it's it's generally because if it's a guy in a suit, he's probably wearing football shoulder pads in the suit. And so there's they're starting their measurement from the top of the arm from like a much higher position on the body because of the shoulder pads making their shoulders taller. So I think that could be another reason why the arms look unusually long. All right, man. Um, what about you? Where do you stand on this whole debacle? Yeah, man, you freaking uh, did a lot of preparation for this one, man. And uh, you analyzed the footage in depth. Thank you. <laughs> Good job on that. <laughs> yeah, before before I came here, I, I wasn't like, I was kind of probably a little bit on the edge. Of course, the, fir the first... Uh, Why were you on edge? The, on edge, yeah, I had a little bit too much of coffee, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go on. No, I mean, the the first uh, reflex would be like just to say that it's a hoax, right? Yeah. But then again, you don't want to be that guy from you, South Park. You, you know? can't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I I, I want to give everything kind of a fair shake, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um. And like I said, there was a time in my life where I thought, I seriously thought that this could be a Bigfoot. So I, I was once kind of in that camp. But once I started analyzing the footage for myself and not just listening to the talking heads on TV who constantly harp on this, I think it would be intellectually dishonest of me to say that I think that it's a real Bigfoot. I I think there are, there are strong arguments that could go either way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but I, I think mm -hmm. in the end, I, I kind of don't believe it anymore. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts about the film, dude? Can we get back on track here and, you know, get your thoughts on, on the film? Do you conclude that it was a, a hoax or do you think that this could be a real creature out there on film? I mean, especially after like listening to your analysis of that uh, video, I mean, I'm inclined to say that it was a hoax, but to emphasize again, I don't want to end up like that guy from South Park and shit. So yeah. there, there, there must be some, you know, some, you shouldn't like, the one shouldn't just deny the maybe 0.1% possibility that it yeah. was real, you know? And look, there, there is... I, I don't think that this is like an intelligence test because I think that there are both really intelligent people and stupid people alike who, who both believe in the footage as authenticity and who just poo-poo it. 
So I don't think it's an intelligence test. I just think it's kind of like, um, it's a matter of just how our individual brains interpret certain information. So when I look at something, when I look at the, the footage of the, the thigh moving, I see the fabric of the suit moving. Whereas other people interpret that as the, um, the muscles moving, but you know, there's smart people. Dr. Jeff Meldrum believes in the authenticity of the footage. Um, there, there are there are some smart and qualified people who believe it, and I'm definitely not one of those people. But, but I digress, man. I think that we're just kind of beating a dead horse here. Um, Ivan, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we get out of here? Well, not really. I think we did a good job today, man. Yeah, I mean, there are people who have who have studied this film incessantly. I mean, way more than we have. If you think that we left anything out, if you think that we didn't do it justice, shoot us an email at supermysterybrospodcast at gmail.com. And if you make a convincing enough argument, I might release an update episode for this topic, and I will personally address any argument that you have. Maybe. If you make a good enough case, I might respond. So, all right, Ivan, um, do you have any apologies, shout outs, or clarifications you'd like to make? Let me think about it, man. You have? What about you? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to just apologize to all the, the Bigfoot people out there again. Like, I just, I don't think that this film is good enough evidence. Um, I'm not saying that Bigfoot doesn't exist. For all I know, it could exist. It's just, I don't think that this film is good enough evidence of that i think that this film is faked my my own personal opinion if you don't agree with me hey agree to disagree Uh, i'd also like to give a shout out to the washbrook show who did the guy who did the intro for this episode i think he did an amazing job please if you like our show go follow him on instagram at the washbrook show yeah i would like to i guess I would like to apologize to the Bigfoot if it uh-huh. actually exists, you oh, know. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, because we kind of, you know, talked about him in many ways. Or like her. We, her, we said like maybe it was an old Bigfoot. We might have hurt the uh, his or her feeling, you know, feelings. Yeah. So that's uh, an important thing to say here. And uh, so, yeah, anyway... Uh, I imagine it could get super lonely in those forests. And even if uh, even uh, Elon Musk sometimes says he's lonely, you know, for the Bigfoot, it might be like really hard life in the forests alone yeah. and shit. So I would like to say, like, if you ever feel lonely or whatever, man or woman, you know, you can just contact contact us at Super Mystery Bros Podcast. Come uh, on, man. I don't want to be somebody's therapist. Even the Bigfoot therapist? Oh, if, well, then we're just going to get a bunch of crazy people saying that they're Bigfoot. Oh, that's true. Okay. We'll just delete, all delete our that. Problems. We'll just delete that. You can hit us up if you have anything cool to say, but we're not therapists. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. I think it's time to get out of here. Like sands through the hourglass, so too are the minutes of our podcast. But don't fret, dear listener. We'll be back again to breathe new life into an old mystery next time. Помните, ребята, истина 
прячется в тени. Вместе мы найдем ее. This is Super Mystery Bros. For the story, you got a story for us. Story time with Ivan, everybody. Story Let's time with Ivan. So it's kind of the the story is kind of a little bit related. Not a little bit. It's directly related to the topic. Okay. Let's see if you guys gonna gonna like it. Once upon a time in the White Mountains, where me and my friends went hiking at the time, we stumbled upon a bar of some sort. A bar. A bar. Like a drinking bar? Drinking bar. Okay. Yeah, somewhere in the White Mountains, you know, in that area. White Mountains in like the Northeast? New Hampshire. New Hampshire? Okay. Yeah. What could be better when a pint of pale ale we fought? <laughs> and uh, that's where we met the... Uh, so at, at the bar, we met some old guy who told us the story. I said at the bar, the drunk old fella with the pain in his eyes started talking to me like you know about yeah. his life and whatever we talked for a long time and then he went have you heard the legend about the last patriarch of exist ex existentialism the hairy jesus and i said no never heard that story man and he went like i'll tell you this story you know That guy, he was born in one of the villages around here, conceived in sin under the moonlight or... Conceived in what? Sin. Oh, sin. In okay. sin under the moonlight or moonshine. Yeah, moonlight. Or maybe moonshine. You know what I mean? Did this guy speak English? No, no, I mean moonshine, like the alcohol. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand if you're trying to translate this story from some other language. No, 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 it's a, the, the English thing. Uh, yeah, Theo, Theo one wasn't there to tell them that if you rearrange the letters of the word sister, it means resist. Then he was born, his parents were shocked and horrified by what they saw. His mother exclaimed, Jesus, Harry. They wanted to call, to call him Harry. They wanted to name him Harry. Mm -hmm. The youngling was 15 pounds of weight and almost a meter tall. His body was covered in thick black hair. That was... The re Everyone actually has the similar reaction than they saw him. They either said, Oh my God! Or... Jesus! The folks were kind of scared of, the, of that guy. 
The time went on. It was a time for him to go to school. As you can imagine, kids those days, they were no better than these days. And he went from being called Jesus Harry or Harry Jesus to Harry Jesus pretty quick. As the time went on, the fellow became a loner, you know. Eventually, he stopped going to school and just stayed at home, staring at the ceiling. He just stared at the ceiling. The last person who saw him remembered his last words. I felt the hate rise up and me kneel down and clear a stone of leaves. I wander out there, you can see. Inside my shell, I wait and bleed. End quote. Or something along those lines. Yeah. What the it, fuck was that, man? It was the last time they saw him. <laughs> that was the story of Harry <laughs> Jesus, man. What the fuck was that, man? <laughs> All right. Uh.